0: Hey everyone, and welcome to A Plain Accounts Weekly Podcast. I'm Alicia McClintock here with my co-host Ben Kramer, and we are so excited to dive into some of our last scriptures for the year. Just a public service announcement, we will be taking next week off from our podcasting responsibilities just so that we can have a quiet uh, year-end rest (laughs) we need a break (laughs) as i'm sure you all do so we're hoping that you our faithful listeners are also finding ways to rest well in a season that can be really um hectic and full of responsibilities for pastors and preachers how are you feeling about the end of year work ben as we look toward christmas eve and this like first christmas sunday Mm -hmm. and kind of wrapping all of these things up how are you feeling about that with your people
1: man well (laughs) As I said before we went live, I'm just so ready to be done with online uh, tech responsibilities like recording Christmas Eve service and recording for the first Sunday and Christmas and all that stuff. And with a small church, all that responsibility falls to myself and my associate pastor to get it done. And so it's just a huge burden. So I'm I'm really looking forward to the day that, because we have been online since before Easter, uh, we, we only had one uh, in-person gathering because Idaho has not handled the coronavirus well. Um, our numbers continue to be um, racing to the top, and that's not a good race to be—you know—the first finisher in. Um, no. And so we've and we've had several members come down with it. Um, we've lost uh, a few members that uh, contracted COVID. We're not sure if that was the cause or not, but still, we we lost them from our our membership. And so I'm just, I'm looking forward to the, uh, to the rest that, um, once we're finally able to regather together in person and, and, uh, maybe some good graces that God will bring in to shift the workload in a more, uh, uh, doable, um, direction. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to find myself hopeful about 2021. I always get this way at the changing of seasons, or especially at the end of the year I get really reflective Mm -hmm. really nostalgic and yeah, I'm not necessarily like a New Year's goal setter, but I definitely find myself full of intention and um, hopefulness yeah. and looking into a new season. So I'm looking forward to taking next week to just sort of breathe and reflect and have some processing time. Mm-hmm. I I mean, this has been such an intense year for so many yeah. people in so many ways and i think it will be a long time before we really realize like what it all means mm-hmm. um but I, as we've been keeping company with some of the characters in our nativity stories i'm finding encouragement from mary who takes time to treasure all these things in her heart um mm-hmm. and so i'm looking forward to taking some time and space to to do a little bit of that inner work yeah in this, well that's powerful yeah, this coming yeah. week so that's great. Yeah. On, on that note, we get to pick up some of our nativity narratives again. Um, we, for our podcast this week, are focusing on the lectionary passages for the first Sunday after Christmas. So um, we know that everyone has some different plans for Christmas Eve, Christmas celebrations so we're skipping over uh, shepherds and angels glory to god in the highest we trust you all know those stories and that you're like that you're filling in the gaps for your people as we move from the annunciation and the magnificat to some more songs <laughs> Again, <laughs> and it's like a great big jewish musical that is um the first few chapters of luke we hear from uh, simeon and anna who are um Uh, residents of the temple in some significant ways and so um, I'm gonna read from Luke chapter 2 and we'll read the bulk of the chapter starting with 21 and moving through verse 40. Hmm. I'm reading from the NIV today. On the eighth day When it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons." Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts Of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God.
0: Whew. That was a large wow. chunk of scripture, a long story. <laughs> um, <clears throat> where, where do you want to start?
1: I, I think I, I want to start just by... <clears throat> Reading this, these words, especially of Simeon and and Anna, uh, after the year 2020, where there are so many people waiting. You know, we Mm. it's it's a season of of forced waiting, and we are longing to see things redeemed, renewed, and not just with a pandemic, but with um, all this the civil unrest that's happened, the injustices that have happened, the you know corruption, fraud, all these questions that are just just stewing about in our culture, like that longing of Simeon's and and, and Anna's for this salvation or redemption to come, I think is just so deeply palpable, um, not just with the good faithful church people, but with Mm. our culture as well. And so, man, I'm just, I was just, as you were reading that, I was just so moved by his words of how, how, old 2020 has made me feel (laughs) you know how and how much I resonate with both Simeon and Anna like it I've heard it jokingly said that like you know after the eight years of 2020 maybe we've learned a few lessons you know it just (laughs) but it has felt like we have been in this season for so long because of how heavy it is and Mm. I I think that's just a little taste of what Simeon and, and Anna were waiting for with you know the coming of the salvation all of israel had been waiting for this totally. Messiah to come and i think that's what shapes my my filters in reading the rest of the passage
0: yeah i mean it definitely feels like the Adventist advent that yes. we've ever advented <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it, there was this this line, Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of that line from uh, the hymn, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Um, and yeah, I, I'm just, I, I'm definitely feeling this this weight of waiting for consolation, for for comfort, yeah. for um for resolution in in some meaningful ways. Um yeah. and so so having having a chance to keep company with these these two um senior folks who have been like waiting for decades is yeah. is uh, it's it's compelling, it's encouraging, but it's also sobering. Like they've mm-hmm. been waiting a long time. And I also think it's maybe important to say that they're the exception. Right. Like think about all of the folks who waited and waited and never saw this, this particular gift of consolation or of reconciliation or, or whatever Um, we, yeah. However, we want to, we want to frame that there, that there were a lot of people who didn't get to hold the Christ child in their arms, who were still just as devout and just as patiently waiting Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, I, I guess like in this in this season where we're still waiting, I I'm I'm struggling with um with how to name some of those realities. Like how how do we show up to patiently and faithfully and hopefully wait for the things that God has promised, trusting that God will do what God says God will do, and also recognize that like we're not entitled to this like very particular kind of revelation either you know what i mean
1: absolutely i think of i think of moses you know Mm -hmm. as, as one example who was longing to see the promised land and so much of what christ represents you know the fulfillment of all that god has promised to israel and moses even being the faithful righteous prophet his whole life you know was not able to see that, you know, through, you know, actions of his own. And that's, you know, those, those things are, are, are able to be debated at length, but um, still uh, like a life of striving and not being able to see what God had promised. And we see that with the Israel in exile, the generations that spent in Babylon or in the wilderness, you know, that there were faithful, praying, fervent Mm -hmm. people of God that did not get to see that promise fulfilled. And Simeon and and Anna represent so much of that. And we can name the Simeons and Anna's in our own life, you know, in our own congregations of who have been striving and speaking towards the salvation of Christ their whole lives. And they're just waiting in hope, waiting in hope uh, for that, for that to come
0: yeah the writer of hebrews belabors this point Mm -hmm. in chapter 11 or like what we sometimes call like that chapter of faith or the hall of faith that that there that there are generations and generations of folks who who devotedly fervently served the lord who who didn't really get to see exactly what they were waiting for um And but at the same time, that didn't quench their devotion in -hmm. any meaningful way um, or any like significant way that that their that their devotion springs from this place that is separate from needing some kind of reward Mm -hmm. or some kind of like like fruition to come. You know what I'm saying? Like like they're. Yeah. They're not in it for the tokens mm-hmm. at the end, right? Like they're like nobody's keeping score here. That that the that the devotion that they offer is freely given and not waiting for some kind of like transactional compensation at yeah. the end. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, because even Simeon seeing Jesus, there's he's not gonna live to see the blind be given back their sight and the lame walk again. And, you know, all of these things that Christ's ministry will usher in. And so like yeah. you're saying, it's not this exchange, like Simeon desired to see at least even a small part of that. Um, that that's huge.
0: Yeah. I, I think that one of the things that's really been, um, that stood out to me as I was reading the text just now um, here on the podcast is like how many times I had to say, according to the law of Moses, or like, as the law had said, I guess I'm just like overwhelmed by these stories of very devout and faithful folk, right. Mm-hmm. Who, are, who are doing the things that they know how to do to worship God faithfully. Right. Not because, not because there's, there's anything in it for them, but because of, of devotion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I think, I think that's, really settling with me that there's this that there's this commitment to the life of faith and the practices and rituals and community that accompany it um and and sometimes every once in a while there's there's um there's a chance to hold the promise of god in your hand Mm. right um or to yeah i i love this this image of um strangers running up to like take the child and and speak these 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 words over over an infant um it's like it's it's a little bit troubling but the but the parents seem to be getting used to Mm -hmm. uh yeah used to the strangeness i suppose
1: they'd be like six feet back six feet keep six feet
0: (laughs) why are you taking my baby yeah
1: yeah oh my goodness
0: yeah um... how
1: how do you think that that expectation that faithfulness that righteousness that we see in both uh Simeon and Anna I'm I guess I'm left intrigued and wondering what that has to do what that might uh have to do with what Simeon says about you know he will be one that causes many to rise and to fall in Israel and it will be a sign that generates opposition Mm. um you know and and what that might how that might relate to the faithfulness that you've just laid out for us and what we see in the two figures here
0: yeah i it's i think it's important to hear like the echoes of other scripture that that comes from simeon's words right like this Mm -hmm. idea of rising and falling calls back to the magnificat which we read last week this is what mary was saying um that the that the mighty and powerful will be brought low and the lowly will be raised up. So there's yeah. that kind of rising and falling. And then, uh, but it also like really clearly calls back to, um, to Isaiah's words about um, mountains being brought low and valleys being raised up. There's like this, this sense of great equity of, of a time, a time of reckoning, a time of leveling.
1: Right.
0: Um, uh, yeah. Of. of again, setting the world to rights. Um, and so, so there seems this clear recognition by Simeon that this is what the Lord has promised. Um, but as you do that kind of leveling work, bringing, bringing some things down and raising some things up, this great reversal of all the things, um, that, that generates chaos and opposition, yeah. right? It, it just does seem that these words speak they, they look ahead to the ways Jesus becomes very polarizing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talk about this a lot in our discussions about discipleship, that there, that there isn't like a, like a partially subscribe like, like it's, right. it's, it's wholehearted, complete devotion mm-hmm. um, to the way of Jesus or yeah. not. Um, so, and, and, and that, and that cause that causes some significant division. Yeah. Right? Um, i I also love love this one the the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed mm. which again calls back to the prophetic work of of Samuel where where the Lord says um, that only only God knows hearts, only God knows the thoughts of our hearts um, mm. so that that Jesus is doing that work um to reveal the thoughts of people's hearts
1: mm. yeah. do, do you think then that? That is when um, when the ho- thoughts of many hearts will be revealed is that when we get a little insight of what typically God only sees um, mm-hmm. of those intentions and things like that. Because I, I can't help but, like you were saying, this prophetic vision of, I can't help but think of the goats and the sheep and the wheat and the chaff and mm-hmm. the rising and the falling and um, how there, that division is there but it, it, it seems more about where people have put their convictions or commitments that's re- revealed where they are. It's not Jesus coming along and saying, you know, you're a goat, whether or not you wanted to be a goat. And so you're over with the goats. You know, it's, it's really it's much more complex than that, that where we have put our primary allegiance is going to place us with those who rise to the occasion in Christ And our heart's conviction is shown to be primarily with with God and neighbor or to something else.
0: Yeah, which then I guess speaks even more clearly to me of this, like this urgent invitation to serious and genuine devotion, right? So that we are formed through consistent worship, through uh, the reading of scripture, through understanding the character of God, we're like, we're formed in our devotion to those things so that when the when the thoughts of our hearts are revealed they are revealed to be like holy and true and and all of those things right like i it it does seem that that this speaks (laughs) to the way i like the way that you pointed to like sheep and goats that it's not like it's again not about what's happening on the outside Mm. um but but more more about uh, I mean something more holistic and deeper than that, yeah. which which again I think like within this context of of encountering really devout people, we're reminded that we we are what we love, we are what we mm. worship, um, and so to be um, to be connected to the devoted with God kind of life. Um, regardless of whatever sort of rewards (laughs) might be like whatever sort of shiny (laughs) rewards might be coming or not um that that that's that that's beside the point of the of the formational devoted life
1: right because as we see Anna obviously lived such an illustrious life as she waited for, for Christ, you know, her, her reward for waiting for Jesus seems to be all of the creature comforts, you know, (laughs) At, at least of this very small picture. I didn't grow up even hearing about the prophetess Anna until I was in school to study scripture, you know? And so like from what very little we hear about her, it doesn't seem like that transactional, you know, relationship between her and God could really be upheld at all.
0: Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> she like uh, she only gets like a few verses in the story, but I am really grateful to have her highlighted mm-hmm. in the story. Mm-hmm. But there, but there's I think a lot of stuff that we might not necessarily imagine if we're reading through those verses really quickly. Like sure. one, she's a she's a widow, which means like she uh, usually poor. Um, in a patriarchal society where your, where your worth and protection and safety and stability comes from like your nearest male relative, whether that's like a father or a brother who takes you in or a husband, she seems to be without those things. I'm imagining at 84 in like first century Palestine that her father isn't continuing to care for her, (laughs) but I feel like it's pretty safe to say he's probably dead, right? (laughs) Like, um, I, I know I know I'm sort of like using my sacred imagination to fill in some of the gaps here but to say that she she is alone in this world that she she is a widow um, and has been for decades apparently um, and she uh, the the scripture says she is at the temple day and night that she never left the temple it makes it sound like she lives there uh, Mm -hmm. And and that might be that might be like a kind of like poetic or narrative exaggeration for effect to say, like, she is so devoted that she seemed like she was there all the time. But I don't know what if we what like, what if it actually were true that she literally never left the temple that she lived there? Um, And and I, again, like I'm maybe not the foremost expert on um, on uh, vocational religious life (laughs) uh life work um in in first century palestine but i don't think that like official religious positions are available to women at the time Mm. like i don't know of any women who are priests or levites or caretakers of the temple and i would love to know if i'm wrong about that if some sure. of our listeners know about that please let me know because i would love i would love that i i mean it it doesn't seem like the vocational religious life is open to her right Though she is devoted and committed um so i get the sense that she sort of like lives on the temple steps mm-hmm. does Am I am I off base? Is that like no. totally out there?
1: No, it feels that way because, you know, in first century, how we find out in Christ's ministry how widows were treated. And so I think that does need to inform, you know, even if she was a prophet, perhaps Luke is giving her that title after the fact, or she may have held that position of prominence in well, there's no way to, to really tell you know, about that. And uh, Luke, as you mentioned before, we could trust Luke to say that many considered her a prophet, but he just flat out says she's she was a, prophet. a prophetess. Right. Yeah.
0: So it seems, it seems like she, she occupied, she has this sort of relational and spiritual authority among people, mm-hmm. um, but not in a positional way. Right. right. Like she's, she's not, she's, she's not a priest. She's not a Levite. She just sort of like takes up space in the temple where right. she's sort of like staked out a space where she's allowed to be. Cause again, in, in first century Jewish worship, men and women don't worship together. There's, right. there's only one particular portion of the temple where they're even allowed to be like in these outer courts. Right. Okay. That like during, during an actual service, the, <laughs> the women are separate from the men. Um and, and so, so to to think about the options that are available to her as a widow without leverage or um or s- social capital uh, that she finds some sort of way to stake out a religious life for herself mm-hmm. um and and that the community can see and respond to her like she seems to be regarded as a prophet um by the By the community and I I guess I just like I imagine her finding a way to to stake out a corner of the temple steps where she um speaks kind words where she offers prayers to folks who stop to talk to her um and she receives the generosity of anyone who feels moved to give something to her right like how else does she eat how else does she survive other than um gifts of generosity from from others Uh, so I don't know that that might be a stretch of the imagination for for some of our listeners but but that's kind of like how she appears to me as I think about maybe some of the like realities that would have shaped her story
1: for sure Um,
0: yeah and and I guess like as someone who lives the vocational religious life Uh, I'm really grateful for this year of our Lord 2020, where Mm -hmm. like, I have a space to do that. Um, like there, there were, there have been centuries and centuries where women who were called to love and serve God with their whole lives and hearts, like didn't have a lot of choices, like in, in ways to do that in, in like substantive, um, with like substantive impact, you know? Um, yeah, and so, so here we, here we have an example of a woman who is like carved out a space to be faithful to her mm-hmm. vocational work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it harkens back to what we were saying just a little bit earlier it in, in preparing a sermon for this particular passage, perhaps taking into account those who had carved their lives out in similar ways in the scriptures and maybe even in contemporary contexts, um, to be faithful to what the Lord had revealed to them or the Lord had called them to. Um, mm. cause I think of Moses when I think of Simeon, but I also think of, you know, Hagar and, and, uh, Sarah, when I think of, of Anna who had, you know, had this very clear vision, but, you know, even to their own, some would say detriment like living on this temple steps, presumably, you know, relying on the help of others as a widow and that, culture, it was clear that the, you know, when Simeon says the, the purposes of the thoughts of their hearts would be revealed, it's clear that Anna's heart is to be fully aligned and committed to the work of God in the world. Um, And so we can't fault her for, (laughs) for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and in fact, she shows us the way Mm -hmm. to look, to look forward to the redemption of Jerusalem and of all things. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, I, um, you, you had mentioned, um, before we went live, the idea of, of charism or, or this kind of gift Mm -hmm. of the spirit. Um, and that seems really prevalent here as well. Um, and then uh, we remember that, that Anna's name literally means grace. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of, of a, a gift or a grace, um, from the Holy Spirit. Do you have some more to say about that?
1: I think just some thoughts that comes to mind about, uh, I think when the charism was given to Simeon, I think of, again, Moses coming back, shining with the glory of God, that, you know, that the hand of God was on Moses to impart what God had Desired for Israel. And I think that's similar to what we see here that the hand of God is on Simeon, to the words that Simeon is saying in the the revelation is not something that he contrived or came up with, uh, Mm -hmm. but is pointing to this ongoing work through the Holy Spirit um, in in the world. And that God's grace is what has called the prophets from the beginning of time. And so to have this prophetess named Grace or, or Anna then we, we understand that the words that, that she is proclaiming is a means of God's grace uh, Mm -hmm. for Israel to, to repent and change their hearts and lives, like what John the Baptist is saying, and to, to be among those who rise to the occasion for, for, for Christ's coming into the world. Um, So those are just some of the initial thoughts that I, that I had with that
0: yeah that even even the unfolding of the story reveals these words to be true <laughs> that that the ones being raised up in the story are a young couple from the backwoods town of nazareth uh, a a man who lives out in the desert <laughs> yeah um, uh women who are just generally neglected to quote senior citizens who are past their prime with Simeon and Anna Mm -hmm. right like people who think like like life has passed me by like uh shepherds who (laughs) yeah live an unsheltered and sort of rough life Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that all of these folks are the ones that that the Lord is raising up um and elevating and um where the word of the Lord is coming
1: first Yeah. yeah That's, that's so good. So I, I think where my mind goes to then is in, in a year, especially 2020, but in our recent past, even of, of uh, we've seen examples where um, the, this little one that was born at at Christmas uh, has caused the rising and falling of many in our culture has, Mm. has been a sign uh, that generates opposition. Um, when, when, especially when the, you know, we hear Joseph getting a dream from the angel of the Lord to not return to Herod. And so we get this component of the powers that be, you know, in our, in, in the world are already, um, plotting to be in opposition to, to Christ. And, and, you know, you can draw all, all those sorts of inferences, you know, you want in contemporary culture, but I think, uh, we as preachers would do well to at least contemplate that this isn't just a, a time of revelation, you know, from the book of revelation, when Christ will come and those that rising and falling will happen. Jesus is doing that even here and now Christ's faithful example is, is causing rising and falling among the people. Um, Mm -hmm. And so how we might reflect on that in our sermons and help our people imagine like okay well how are we looking for the rising and falling of of people how has Christ been opposed um in all of the major things that we've been confronted with just in our own country let alone globally um in 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 our recent past
0: yeah and then I I think the 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 deep invitation that the challenging work is to receive that rising and falling and that reorientation as consolation Mm -hmm. as verse 25 says and not as desolation or like a tragedy right right? like like that those are the people who miss what God is doing who refuse to see the reorienting as the consolation that God has promised
1: Mm -hmm. yeah the consolation I love that that word I, I think it's one that I don't really contemplate on often.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's a significant part in Ignatian spiritual practice, uh, the, this movement from desolation toward consolation or, um, or connectedness with the spirit.
1: Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Um, well, considering all of the things that are happening in, in our text for this week, as well as the ways that it sort of has so many echoes of other stories, how are you planning to preach this passage to your people
1: well my my hope is that I can focus on the rising and falling hope focus on the opposition focus on um what Christ the Holy Spirit's ongoing work through Christ and us as God's people for the kingdom of God while pointing towards the the joy you know the ongoing mm. consolation that you're talking about that we are working from you know destruction especially in my context there's such a devotion to a dispensation a dispensational perspective of the second coming and mm. whether whether they would be conscious and verbalize that or not i can hear that in how they talk about Christ's second coming in fear you know and and so the consolation that we find in Christ as people uh, of this savior it's not something that should cause us fear but motivate us to be the consolation of Christ here and now and so so i really want to emphasize that in in my sermon haven't figured out how to do that quite yet but i'm i'm hoping to really have that be the trajectory so that we don't get caught up in discouragement of like, okay, this opposition is going to come, and people are going to rise and fall, and it sounds like the chaos of what we've been told about the end times. But
0: mm. that's not what
1: we're looking for in hope as God's people.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I I love that. I don't I don't know how this might fit in with with that like arc that you're drawing but I guess for me I'm called to preach the work of devotion mm-hmm. or of like of consistent so committed good. faithful following I had a conversation with um with uh, friends um the other day saying like gosh we're like in the we're in the middle of advent I'm not even sure what we're waiting for anymore <laughs> mm-hmm. um and it seems like maybe Anna and Simeon have something to say about yeah. that yeah. Um, and and all of the uh, like nameless others like them who who didn't see the things that they saw So what does it mean um, to practice a life of faithful devotion to stoke those those fires of of love for the Lord and for the way of the Lord in a way that that shows us that like consolation-hmm even if we never see the thing we're waiting for does that make sense
1: yeah Which
0: i mean that feels like a little bit it feels like a little bit dark it's not like oh aren't you glad you came to church today (laughs) you're just gonna (laughs) plug away and wait forever and never see anything (laughs) um yeah and i don't like i don't want it to sound like that but but it, it just seems to me like there are so many folks in these in like like between the lines of our stories, mm. who lived faithful, devoted lives, and found the consolation of the spirit, yeah, um, or found the consolation of hope, um, and I feel like that's a word that I need for myself mm. uh, today to think Absolutely. to think like like okay, well, the the devoted, faithful life is something I'm committed to, whether or not. I'm either Simeon or Anna who holds the promise of God, to yeah. come to fruition, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so, what does that mean to, yeah. to be faithful in the waiting times? For
1: sure, wow, which is beautiful. still a
0: very Adventy servant yeah. sermon I recognize, yeah. <laughs> um, and and not quite like Christmas tide. Um, but I don't know. That's how the text is coming to me today.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I I think Lent and Advent, like it's not. It's not like we're ending one just to move into the other. The (laughs) lessons of Advent should stick with us as we go through Christmas tide. And I I think that's, that's powerful.
0: Well, on that note, may the lessons of Advent stick with you all as Mm. you move into Christmas tide and then into Epiphany. Uh, Like we mentioned before, we'll be taking one week off from the podcast and we hope that you all can have a very Merry Christmas, a blessed and bright new year. Pray that you preach boldly and rest well. And we'll see you in two weeks.
1: Peace to you all.